Our lesson's going to come out of the book of Exodus. I think this is the last day we're in Exodus for now. Exodus and Moses is one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible. Uh, I can relate to Moses, I think, uh, pretty well. Uh, he, he led this crowd of stiff-necked people. Uh, not that I'm saying anything there, but you just apply that however it needs to be. But uh, I got a phone call a while back. And, uh, and the person was questioning, and now I'm not complaining, I'm, uh, I'm actually joyful. When one of you all takes notes and calls me about the sermon and asks for clarification, hey, you paid attention, I'm actually uh, happy there. Pastor, yeah. your mic is off. I just turned it on. It's on, the little green light's on. It's on now at least. <laughs> I thought I'd push a little button. It didn't show right on the screen, did it? Uh, so, uh, all right. But back it up there. But I got a phone call, and, and uh, this person wanted to talk to me and says, they didn't understand, because I always sit there and say, the Holy Spirit is here waiting for us on Sunday to come in and worship. And, uh, and he is. The Holy Spirit's here. They said, well, does the Holy Spirit leave us on Saturday or sometime and show we got to go pick it back up at church? No. The Holy Spirit is omni present. The Holy Spirit that lives in us is the same Holy Spirit as here of God. And some of it's a mystery uh, on how it all works, but God is waiting here for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and so when our spirits come together, uh, we can feel the presence of God. And, and so, but one of the things I want to bring up, because really that, that conversation with that person brings up a really good point about the difference between Old Testament times and New Testament times. Now, God, don't, don't think there's a difference in God. God was the same yesterday, today, and he will be tomorrow. God is there. There's always been a triune God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit it was there in the beginning of creation. Is here today and go on. But how God dealt with those in the Old Testament and how he deals with us today is a little bit different. Uh, and, and that's what I want to focus on, the difference there today with that. So with that, let us read our scripture for today. Oh, just a real quick update. They've gone from the mountain. God sends them away. They're a, they're a distance away from the mountain. And they're just camped out. The, the Israelites are just camped out. Resting spot, if you will, or uh, whatever they're doing there. And Moses takes his tent and he goes outside of the camp. And that's where we're going to pick up today. Uh, verse 7, chapter 33, verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out, went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was aside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door, and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that a pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses, and all the people saw the pillar and the cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, 
the young man did not depart from the tabernacle. This is the word of God for the people of God. Wake up, people. (laughs) That was a little low. All right, we've got a little excitement here. Uh, We need to have a coffee bar to get you all rolling before you come in here, a little excitement. Uh, So let's do a quick history of the Bible, real quick, a, a timeline of humanity, if you will. Adam and Eve, God created the world, we got Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve walked with God, walked in the physical presence of God. It wasn't the Holy Spirit, but it was in the physical presence of God. God could be in the presence of the people. And so we see in the early beginning of Genesis that God was with the people. And in the cool of the day, he would walk with Adam through the garden. And they would talk about things face to face as with a friend. And so that was the way it was until one day when the devil come and they were deceived they ate the fruit, and then they, the forbidden fruit, and so then they were kicked out of the garden because God could not be with sin. God is holy. God is pure. Uh, and so God and sin cannot come together. And so God pushes the, the, pushes the Israelites out, or not the Israelites then, but the Adam and Eve, he pushes them out of the garden, and they got to toil in the land and all that stuff. So from here... On, there's a separation and God cannot enter into humanity anymore because he cannot enter humanity because of the sin, the sin problem. Because of one man's sin, cursed the whole world. Because of one man's sin, the whole world's cursed. And so we go along. But just like for those of you that have had children, we've had this in our life, uh, we've had children that were wayward or going this different direction than what you want them to go, let's say. And maybe you have to stop, the, you know, their drugs or alcohol or something or whatever. Maybe you have to stop supporting them financially because you're, you're, you're enabling them or something. You have to stop them. They're going to have to suffer a little bit. Every person I know that's watching their child suffer and they're doing the right thing or they feel they're doing the right thing by holding back on helping them, I think the parent suffers much, much worse than the child does. It's good for the child. It's good for the, 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 you may probably be a young adult. It's good that way, that tough love. But, but the parent suffers because they want to, we all, as parents with our children, I don't care how old your children are, we want to see good things for our children, do we not? We want to see, we don't care how old we get and how old they get, but we always want to see good things. And so when they're hurting, we're hurting. And so I feel God was the same way. God had to separate himself from us, humanity, and God was hurting. And so God develops this priestly system, this priestly system. And so there's only a certain set of people called priests or Levites. We'll get later on to them. Uh, Levites that God will speak to and then they go speak to the people. And that's what Moses is doing right here. God would speak to Moses, and Moses would speak to the people. Because God couldn't be in the presence of the people. And, and so he would use it to one person, one person at a time. And, and so what we see with this is the Holy Spirit, the triune God, which fills the earth. It filled the earth then. But the, here's what comes up. One of the differences is, is that when God was there, he couldn't be in the midst of the people. And so what he would do is choose people or peoples, a few people sometimes, prophets, priests, and other things that he would lay the Holy Spirit on for a short time. 
And when that season was over, the Holy Spirit would pull back. And, and, and so go along, not that the person did anything wrong, but that's just the way God worked. God was like a pinpoint in the, in the relationship with the world in Israel. He was in a pinpoint relationship. Well, that didn't work. After a while, the, the animal sacrifice, let me bring up animal sacrifices. For sin, there must be a blood uh, sacrifice. So that's just the way it's set up. The sin goes along. And so the animal sacrifice, they did not eliminate sin. The animal sacrifices didn't eliminate They covered sin. Not that we've ever been stupid enough to do this, but I've known people that have. You get a credit card, and you start charging on that bad boy. Well, the next thing you know, you can no longer meet the minimum payment. So you get another credit card, and you start, and pretty soon it blows out of hand. Finally, there's going to be a coming day when the credit bureau is going to get smart and say, no more credit cards, you're deep in debt, pay off your debt. And, and so you can't. You cannot pay off the debt. Because just say you're $100,000, that's a lot of money to me. So you're $100,000 in debt, $1,000, $100 is a lot of money to me. But besides that point, you're just, imagine what you're going to take you... If all you did was pay on this debt for four, five, six, ten years and didn't eat, didn't have no entertainment, it still wouldn't be paid off. The debt is out of control, and there's no way that you can pay the debt. The sin debt was out of control, and there's no way you and me or anybody else in this world could pay the debt. God sees his people hurting. The only way to pay the sin debt was for God to pay it himself. So he comes off the glory of the throne. He's born of the virgin. He's raised. We don't have a God. Now here's the gospel. This is the gospel that needs to be preached instead of hatred and everything else. This is the gospel that people need to hear. That God loved the humanity so much. That he was willing to live with us. You got that? God, he loved humanity. All of us, you and me. Color didn't matter. Status, your financial status, the country you lived in. None of that mattered. All that mattered was God wanted to be with us. So he comes, he's born to the virgin. He goes along. And he goes and he teaches us how to love one another. In the midst of diversity, how to love one another. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to, uh, to deal with each other, how to deal with the church. He, he, Jesus teaches so much. But that still wasn't covering the sin debt. Now let me bring up another good story. I grew up in the 70s, mainly. I was born in the 60s. My main years were the 70s. Uh, and I had a dad at the time that was a very firm dad. I, I'm not talking bad, but that because that was the way most dads were at that time. And, and uh, the belt, the switch, mom was the, the shoe, the spoon. You know, we, we know it all. Most of us here of age know the utensil used for the whooping, right? You know, not most of us was like Julie, that was just perfect. But us, the Hauser boys, I don't know, <laughs> over here, I haven't done, but I got two older brothers. And we, we, got, we got quite a few whoopings. We deserved every one of them. I don't ever want to say bad about my dad. We deserved every one of them. And so, but occasionally, the wrong person would get the whooping. Anybody ever have that happen to them with brothers and sisters? 
And when dad found out, and this is just a funny sidetrack story, well, son, I know you did something else wrong that I don't know about. So we were, confused, we were uh, whipped for sin that we committed and sin we didn't commit. Just the way it was, you know. But let me ask this question. For those of us that have experienced the belt or some other utensil uh, to straighten us out, did it really straighten us out? Honestly, how many of you, after receiving a good tearing up of the tail end, when mom and dad were gone again, you did the exact same thing that you did? Yeah, you know, I wasn't that smart. <laughs> there was a lot of whippings there, so I wasn't that smart and all that. Uh, but she'll go on. See, what God realizes is humanity is humanity. All the way back in Genesis after the flood. After you know, they flood, everybody's gone except Noah's family and they get all the trouble that Noah's family brings off at the very beginning. He realizes that because of this curse, because of this curse of Adam and Eve brought onto the world, that humanity is just bent on evil. No matter how much I whip them, no matter how much I beat them, and the only way to bring a relationship back, I can't change humanity, I have to bring a way that I can bring back to the people. And so Jesus, at the right moment, at the right time, went to Pontius Pilate. He took the whooping for us that we deserve. He was like my brother Fred getting whipped for something I did, you know. Uh, uh, this happened quite well. Usually it was David. Uh, we blamed everything on brother David. And, 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 so, uh, and so we did that. And so many times he'd be whooped and we'd be laughing because it was, it was him getting whipped, not us. Uh, but so on that is, Jesus took the punishment that you and I deserve. Okay, but that still didn't knock the, the knock of sense. There's not any sense into us, did it? So how are we going to deal with the sin death? There must be a blood sacrifice. And God himself allowed himself, because he tell Pontius Pilate, I, I can come and go as I want, to be nailed to the cross, to die, that his blood would atone would wipe away the sin of this world. It's no longer covered. There's no longer sin hiding in the back corner. It goes along. And for us who believe, and us who are, that believe, and I say baptize into the family of God, but us who believe, and, and you know, be baptized and everything, we cannot out-sin God. Not that we're supposed to be saying we're supposed to be trying to live this holy life, but we make mistakes. We're humanity. We get angry. We, things happen. And, and we say the wrong thing. We, we blurt out things we wish we wouldn't have done. Uh, we, we do things that goes along. And as soon as we sin and we confess that sin, you know, really, before we confess that sin, we're believers in Christ. We sin, guess what? Paid. The stamp paid faster than we can sin. Paul has a whole argument about this later in Romans here. But the whole thing. Because God desires a right relationship with you and me. And he desires that. And so the next thing we've got to go to is Pentecost. Let's run the Pentecost real quick. Because now Jesus has died. He's been punished for our sins. He has died for our sins. He has rose again, so he has defeated death. It comes out in 1 Corinthians. He, he, defeated, he, 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 wrote, he defeated death, and now he's there. But what about the Holy Spirit? God living in relationship with the people through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost, and I mean, you need to restore this piece of information for a later date. Pentecost, the day Moses, the day Moses comes down with the, the, the two tablets written by the finger of God, 
It's the same day that the Holy Spirit comes upon the people. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon the people. And it's the prophecy being fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 when it comes along. It's the prophecy being fulfilled from Joel chapter 2. It says, in those days, in the end days, my spirit will go among all the people. The whole world. No longer is God using you, 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 you for a specific time. All of us that believe in Jesus have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. God not only lives around us, but he lives within inside us. We have the power of God that resides into us. As Tammy was talking about joy, that's not happy. I know people going through horrible things, cancer or other, some terminal illness, and they have the joy of the Lord in them. Why? Because they know the end story. They know where they're headed. And that, that, that know, knowing that the Lord has you, regardless of what you're going through, will bring joy into your life. And so we go along with that. So now that now that Moses, the God just not going to Moses, the people can see the Spirit of God talking to Moses as a friend. God has come to all of us, and we can have this relationship. And our relationship with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking to Jesus, should be as a friend, as friend speaks with a friend. Lord, I am struggling today. Paul says, "Pray without ceasing." How is that possible? I got a constant relay. I got a constant conversation going on with God. Somebody hear me talking to myself. So who are you talking to? Jesus. You want to join the conversation? Sometimes we argue. Sometimes I argue with myself, but that's, we don't want to get that crazy mess right now. We'll do that another day. But so here we go along with this. Here's the good news, people. Because of what Jesus did for us, and because He sent the Holy Spirit, again. God only lives around us, but he lives within us. How do they know that I'm a Christian? Anybody want to finish that song for me? They know I am a Christian by my love. By my love. See, I can sing a little bit. That's not very well, but I can sing. Uh, but so on that. So as I get ready to close down the sermon, let me bring up some points. So the story is here. It's not just to show a reflection of what the difference is between then and now. What can we learn from Moses in this story. This is where I'm going to close this up at. What did I learn from Moses? Number one, when the people were coming, Moses went far away. They could see him, but he was down there a little bit. When we want to draw near to God, sometimes we need to get away from the craziness of this world. If you're sitting there, got CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, I don't care the news network on, you're probably gone crazy by now. If you're watching all the stuff going on, you think that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but yet God is still in the world. People are still being saved. There's still great things happening. Don't focus on the negative. Focus on God. And so we've got to draw away from the world. We've got to draw away from the world. Number two, Moses being outside of the camp. The camp meant safety. Safety in numbers. To leave the camp to go where Moses was, you're going to have to cross the wilderness a little bit. To cross that wilderness meant danger. Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone to draw closer to God? Are you going to get out of your comfort zone to draw closer to God? Uh, and the last thing I want to bring up is, the, the, well, actually, next to the last thing, uh, to draw near from God. Do you have revival in our hearts? 
You get revival. Everybody talks about they want revival. They want revival. And I believe the country is, the world, really, because the whole world's in a mess. And we're seeing thousands and thousands of people say, California, they're talking about all the bad going to California, but somebody had a church on the beach, a couple hundred people got baptized in the ocean. So there are good things are going on, people. There's good things going on. But to draw, to have revival in our own life, we got to draw near to God and draw away from the world. Spurgeon put it this way. <clears throat> there can be, Charles Spurgeon, there can be no marriage to the Holy Spirit until there is a complete divorce of sin in our life. Let me repeat that. There can be no marriage to the Holy Spirit until there's a complete divorce of sin in our life. Why does the church suffer without, we're the church, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, God is in our presence. Why do we suffer in our personal lives? Let me tell you what, most of us have justified, excuse me, most of us have justified our sin. It's okay for me, you know, y'all don't live with Tammy, you don't know. Y'all don't, you know, or whatever else, you know, I just bring that up. I'm going to travel in a six hour car, so I better watch myself. Uh, So we, we go there. We've justified ours. We pointed somebody else's. You need to examine ourselves. Not only examine yourself individually, your relationship with your church. Am I part of the body of Christ or am I going against the grain? Am I part of the cure or am I part of the problem? See, the church will never be powerful until we <clears throat> kick out the Holy Spirit, until we kick out sin and let the Holy Spirit fully develop us. Let us pray. Dear Lord, our Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Lord, we just ask you to be with us, examine us, and let the Holy Spirit overtake us. Amen.
Yeah. 